0: You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you wanna mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you wanna jest with. The battle's coming, you
2: only got a few seconds to
3: run. Alright, so yeah. here we are, still searching for that elusive first win of the season and sitting in position for the number one overall pick. I am Cincy Jungle's Matt Minnick here for Orange and Black Insider. This is Bengals Chalk Talk. Thank you for sticking with me. Uh, I know it's not easy being a Bengals fan nowadays, but uh, thanks for sticking around. So uh, a few things I want to talk about before we get into some film. Uh, Number one. Bad news this weekend. Uh, terrible news about Tua Tego I'm sure I butchered that. My bad. Uh, but bad news. Uh, and even if you were a Burrow fan, I mean, it's just bad news in general. You never want to see something like that happen. Um, and definitely good for the Bengals to, to have some options. Uh, now, I think people are, are reacting. We're very reactionary. Uh, and we went out and people were, were already tweeting things for right after it happened. So it looks like this, it looks like that. Uh, the only people I believe are the people that have examined it. Uh, so that's, you know, one big thing there, uh, people with degrees that have e- examined them are the people to believe because we're going to hear a lot. Uh, and right now we're starting to hear some positive things. Oh, you know, looks, looks real good. It's, you know, everything went well. Um, The fact of the matter is, uh, I don't have a degree. Uh, I don't have a medical degree, that is. Uh, And, you know, people who who haven't seen him and don't know that stuff, they don't know where he's at. Uh, It's going to be up and down, and we're not really going to know what's going on until until he gets out there. Uh, Unfortunately, the way it's breaking down, even best case scenario... He's probably not going to be able to work out for anybody uh, prior to the draft. I mean, that's that's what it's looking like. So uh, the Tua evaluation is complete. Uh, You know, from a a film standpoint, you know, there's not going to be any workouts. Uh, The film is done. Uh, He is absolutely somebody who should be considered with the number one overall pick based on his film. His medicals were already a concern, and now they have become a bigger concern. And given the Bengals past uh, with not necessarily being able to determine the extent of injuries uh, prior to the draft on people, very scary. Uh, but all I'm trying to say is, hey, let's keep an open mind about it. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, I look at a guy like Frank Gore, uh, you know, Obviously, different position, different time. But Frank Gore, a guy, I uh, believe it was two ACLs in college. The guy had a lot of issues uh, with injuries in college, and and look at him now. <laughs> He's one of the oldest players in the NFL, uh, and he is he is still rolling. Uh, you know, so after early injury issues, he has been Mister Endurance in the NFL, uh, and you know, kind of the the elder statesman in the NFL right now. And mean, getting it done been uh you know climbing up uh very quietly climbing up the all-time rushing statistics. Uh so we don't know. I mean that's that's what it comes down to. And it, it's not our job to know. You know, but uh medical stats are going to take a good hard look uh at that stuff. You know they're gonna want to examine him. Uh they're not gonna be able to work him out prior to the draft. Uh, but you know they're they're gonna to have to make those determinations make and, and figure those things out. And it's crazy for us from the outside to be really definitive on uh, anything right now. Uh so really just adds a big fat question mark to the to a question uh moving forward. But I mean I wouldn't rule it out. You know, who who knows? Uh who knows what can happen. Uh and he still might be the guy in this draft, uh, you know, long term that is. Um so, speaking of injuries, uh, interesting news coming out. Uh, Cordy Glenn having a chance to play against the Steelers. Uh, that would be very nice. Uh, we've, we've all seen, uh, you know, what, what John Jerry looks like at tackle, and it is not a pretty sight. Uh, so, Cordy Glenn, I think we all thought he was going to get traded. We thought he was going to get cut. Like, seemed like there was you know, personal issues there. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, You know, he could be playing this weekend. He could still be around next year. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I don't know at this point. Uh, I don't don't know what to tell you, because that's a crazy uh, story that seems to be not over yet. Um, You know, still around uh, and maybe out there this weekend. So we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, AJ still a big question mark. Uh, John Ross looks like a couple of weeks out. Uh, and Jonah Williams, uh, you know, I believe it's this, uh, coming Monday. He, he has to practice. He's going to be practicing, uh, next week if he's going to come back this year. Um, and they've kind of said from the beginning that they, they, they weren't going to shut him down, that they thought he had a chance. Um, I mean, you get those guys back, uh, like all of a sudden that offense might not be terrible. Um, And even with uh, the struggles we've seen at the quarterback position, uh, you throw A.J. Green and John Ross into that mix and give him some protection, (laughs) the last few weeks of the season uh, could be very interesting. Uh, So looking at last week's game, just to touch on the defense, um, you know, last week I, I talked about Schematic issues uh, that I have a problem with, and and you know coaching issues that I that I saw. One thing about the defense, like I think a lot of their schemes don't particularly make sense. Uh, I don't still can't tell that they have option rules. If they do, I'm not sure those make sense. Uh, but I've said this uh, throughout the season. I feel like those guys go though. Um, so any you know whatever negatives we say about the coaching staff, you can say those and they're true. Um, you know, a lot of things are true, and, and this defense has some issues. Uh, however, uh, they're getting those guys to play, and I really believe that this defense, even as it stands right now, um, you can win games with that defense if you're doing some things on, on offense uh, from a complimentary, you know, football standpoint. Now, do we need to make improvements there? Absolutely, uh, but. You know we're we're just a few pieces away. Uh, you know, linebacker is is a mess. Um, Got to figure out what's going on there. Uh, saw some things out of Pratt this week. I kind of broke down Pratt uh, in one of the film rooms. that's out on Cincy Jungle this week. Um, he is potential. He has a long way to go. You know, he's making uh, making some mistakes. He's he's getting hurt in some situations. Uh, but now he's going to get a chance, and and we're gonna we're to see. Uh, what he can do with it so hopefully over the next week you know next few weeks he he steps up and and at least we can feel good uh, about one guy at that linebacker position Um, you know I I tweeted out earlier the week a clip where uh, you could see Nick Vigil didn't pick up a crosser and it was Pratt talking to him at the end Uh, so the rookie talking to the veteran saying hey you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Uh, so we see some good things mentally there. Uh, we have seen some good things physically and in, in just his ability to, to run, you know. Uh, but we've also got missed tackles. We've got failure to get off of blocks. And we have a lot of problems uh, in the pass game. Uh, counterintuitive for what you would expect from a converted safety. But I said this about him coming out. Uh, I liked him a lot, but I liked him a lot more against the run than against the pass. Um, He, he has a ways to go in his pass defense, but his athletic ability gives him potential there. And certainly a lot more potential than what we were seeing, um, you know, with, with slower, uh, less athletic linebackers that we've had at that position in the past. So, Hopefully, we see something out of him uh, and gain some faith in him moving forward. But still, we're going to need to add a linebacker uh, next year through the draft through, through free agency. Somebody that can be a plug and play, uh, probably a strong safety as well. Uh, you know, Sean Sean Williams has uh, has some positive qualities, but you know, there, there's some things locking there too. So, uh, need to find a guy that can cover tight ends that can be kind of a versatile moving piece uh, within that defense. Hopefully Jesse Bates uh, bounces back. You know, good to see him getting a pick, uh, but we need to see more on him getting to where we thought he could be after his rookie year. Um, and there's some talent at the cornerback position. Um, you know, Jackson's got to got to be who he can be. Group um, Packers got to cut the mistakes, but beyond that, we've got you got Webb uh, potentially Dennard. Uh, you know, uh, if he comes back, uh, Phillips, another guy who's uh, you know been injured, uh, but uh, they're, they're saying, I believe, returning to practice this week. So, you know, there's some pieces there. And, and up front, there's there's definitely some pieces as well. You know, you can always use another pass rusher, um, but the defensive tackles next to uh, next to Atkins have really stepped up this year. Um, you know, we've seen a handful of guys in there, and I think Renell Wren's another guy who, who could develop uh, another interior pass rusher, Could be uh, definitely a positive in there. Uh, It was great to see some of Lawson out there, uh, somewhat limited. And that's another thing. I I did a film room on Lawson and and how they deployed him. So check that out on Cincy Jungle this week. Um, So Lawson doing some good things out there uh, as well. And they moved him around. They had him inside. Uh, So good to see some of those things. Uh, And I think the front, you know, the, the, the defensive line can be pretty good. Uh, linebacker is the big problem and the strong safety is kind of a second level, uh, sort of guy too. Uh, you know, those are things that they really need to hash up, but I mean, that defense, yeah, it can be okay. And I, it's, it's only a few pieces away from, from being, uh, from being decent, uh, in, 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 in my opinion. So, um, You look at the numbers, and they're not good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this defense is good. Um, But I don't think they're quite as far away defensively as maybe we think they are. Uh, So take a look. Uh, We're going to take a look now at film uh, and get a little bit into Ryan Finley and uh, the two-minute drive to end the first half. Uh, so talking a little bit about Finley, but about some of the other things that were going on, on that drive and how exactly that all unfolded. So the Bengals had a very interesting drive to end the first half. Um, and it was interesting good, and it was interesting bad. Uh, and obviously ended up poorly for them in the end. Uh, but we will get to that. Momentarily, So uh, they used their timeouts in order to make sure they did get the ball back with some time on the clock. Uh, and they got the ball with a minute 31 uh, on their own 35-yard line. Uh, they came out in an empty formation. Three receivers spread out to the left. Two receivers spread out to the right. Now, when I say things like receivers spread out, um, I'm talking about their alignment. I'm not talking about their position. You know, a lot of times that is a tight end, that is a running back. Uh, Here, when I'm in this particular case, I am referring to both uh, Eifert and Giovanni Bernard uh, as receivers based on their alignment. So the Raiders matched the empty look with a two-high look, and it ended up being two man. Okay, So there's no backers left in the box. They're, they're sending three. Uh, they've got two players back, five players in man. that leaves no linebackers in the box. And really, nobody's looking at the quarterback until you get all the way deep to the safeties. Uh, now, if we learn something from, uh, from Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, it is that you cannot play two-man to an athletic quarterback. And Ryan Finley is not Lamar Jackson, make no mistake, Uh, but he can, he can move a little bit. Uh, You know, he's a guy that can run and he shows off the wheels here. So the pocket starts to collapse. Uh, It's not absolutely terrible, uh, but Finley recognizes it, recognizes the coverage. uh, And instead of moving in the pocket and trying to keep his eyes downfield, like he often does, he takes off right away. So uh, good job. You know, th- that's what he should be doing. Now, what's really impressive here is he gains 10 yards pretty easily. Uh, and he could have got the first down or close to the first down and, and slid down. But that's not what he does. He gets right there to, to 10 yards. Uh, he's He's got a defender there. Um, and he, he makes a cut. You know, he cuts behind uh, one of his receivers. And he's able to pick up some additional yardage. So he ends up getting 24 yards on that play, getting them all the way down to the 41 yard line. So uh, good job there. Really, you know, you're coming off. It's a two minute drive. You're trying to score um, and, you know, picking up that many yards, whether it be with your legs uh, or with your arm on the first play, uh, that is a great start. Uh, So, Very good job there. Uh, Move the chains and get nearly into field goal range already with the first play of the drive. Uh, So that brings up another first and 10. So it's first and 10 on the 41-yard line, the Raiders 41-yard line. They came out in a two-by-two set with receivers tight on both sides of the formation uh, and one back uh, in the backfield with with Finley in the shotgun. Uh, So – To this, the Raiders counter with a one-high look. And Alex Erickson is at the bottom. And right away, it looks like that's where Finley wants to go. He's kind of staring in that direction. He actually pumps a little bit uh, in that direction. But Erickson is covered tightly down the sideline. Uh, Now, as the pocket starts to collapse a little bit, and it's definitely in worse shape here than it was in the last play, uh, Finley steps up. He starts to move. And then he zips the ball out to Giovanni Bernard in the flat, uh, and Bernard's able to get down to about the 35-yard line. Uh, so that is putting them roughly in field goal range. That's about where the ball ended up uh, at the end of the drive when they did catch uh, when they did kick a field goal. Um, so after two plays, you know, not bad. And, and uh, Bernard gets out of bounds. Now the bad news: it's coming back. It doesn't count. Uh, there is a hold on Jerry uh, that, I mean, I guess it's a good hold because it would have been a sack probably. Uh, but uh, uh, the hold on, on Jerry uh, knocks them back, uh, back out of field goal range and into first and 20 uh, on the other side of the 50. Uh, so not uh, not good there. Uh, definitely not what you're looking for. And, and they come back out. In another empty look. Uh, three receivers to the left, two receivers to the right. And once again, we are getting a two-high look from the Raiders. Uh, this ends up being uh, a, a zone look, though. It's not going to be a two-man look. Um, and it's not exactly a, a, a cover two look either. They're, they're kind of doing a combination thing uh, on the top. Uh, but they get, um, they get the two-high look. And again, Finley makes a pretty good read here. Uh, so, to the two receiver side, uh, you've got Auden Tate uh, as the outside receiver and Giovanni Bernard inside. Uh, so, those inside guys are going to hitch up. And Tate is running a, a deep dig route. So, you know, the idea here is. Bernard hitches up, and that freezes the backer, okay? So the backer is is going to look at Bernard. That opens up a little bit of room behind that linebacker. So Tate fits into that window behind the linebacker and in front of the cover two safety. Uh, Finley makes a great read. He sees that, uh, and he throws what's a fairly tight window throw uh, to complete that ball in to Auden Tate, all right, in the levels there between the safety Uh, and the linebacker. Uh, So pretty good job there. Like I said, pretty good read uh, and completing the ball to Tate, uh, picking up 14 yards on the play. So not quite, you know, not, not the first down, but Hey, you know, get me into a a good second uh, down situation where now it's second and six and something, you know, where you're in a much more reasonable uh, situation. Now, uh, they line up and the play clock gets down to 16 seconds before they snap the ball. Uh, so don't really seem to be in a huge hurry. Uh, they snap the ball with 30 seconds left, uh, and you know, using quite a bit of the play clock. Uh, but it is, it is all for naught? And, uh, they get a penalty on the play. That uh, was a false start on Billy price. Uh, and the result of that, uh, is a five-yard loss, kicking them back to second and 11. So now they're in a not-so-good second-down situation, uh, whereas second and six was on the 37-yard line. They were right there on the fringe of field goal range. Uh, from the 37, uh, you know, you're know, you looking at about a 54-yarder uh, if you snap it from there. Uh, so not quite, but very close. And now uh, you're back definitely out uh, with second and 11 uh, on the 42-yard line, so uh, not a good look there. And the other thing it does is there's a 10-second runoff uh, related to that penalty. So whereas they they snapped the ball there, the second down uh, play was they're going to be snapping the ball, uh, you know, with with uh, 30 seconds, uh, it ends up going down uh, to 17. So that puts them in uh, second and 11. Uh, and in the second 11, once again, they're coming out in an empty formation. Uh, see a little bit of a trend here between the two formations on this drive. Uh, and it's cover two. All right. Cover two man again with two deep safeties. Uh, and you know, those safeties are, are are real deep, but they can do that because they're playing man underneath. So there's not going to be those windows, uh, like we, like we saw on the previous play. Uh, now one area that's, that's common to try and hit in, uh, in two man, uh, and as a defensive coach, I, I don't love it. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a great play. Um, but a lot of, a lot of. Offensive coordinators think they can hit this and and that's where they try and hit it uh, is right up the seam, And basically they put it on the outside shoulder of the guy running up the seam. Uh, So that's where they put it. Uh, Eifert has to adjust. He does not uh, make the catch. You know, he makes a good adjustment. The ball's where it should be for, for that throw. uh, If that's what you're going to try and do to cover two, man. Um, And, you know, the safety's breaking on it, but really it's just Eifert can't come up with the difficult catch. Um, So, you know, again, good job by Finley. Like I said, I don't love the play call, but good job by Finley. He puts the ball where it it should go in that situation. Uh, He puts the ball opposite Eifert. You know, live it might look like a bad ball because Eifert has to do something so crazy to get there. Uh, But that's because inside is – you know it, it's two man, so you can't throw it inside. That's where that's where the defender is. Uh, if Ivory comes down with that, they're going to get a first down. They're going to be on about the 19 yard line. Uh, so you know a good play call from that sense. It's you know it's it's picking up some good yardage, um, and you know they probably have time to run one more play, maybe take a shot at the end zone, and then know that they're in good position for a field goal. Uh, but no catch. Uh, no dice, and that brings up third and 11. Uh, so on third and 11, they got back uh, they got back what they had lost yardage wise. Uh, and uh, there's an encroachment penalty on the Raiders. Uh, so that gets them back to the five yards uh, and brings up third and six. Uh, from the 37 yard line so again now now 37 yard line they're right there on the fringe uh, 13 seconds in the half Uh, you know they just need to get a little bit uh, to make it a a reasonable uh, attempt at a field goal again no timeouts and no timeouts really hurts them and I understand why they don't because they were using timeouts uh, to get the ball back Uh, but it limits what they can do. Uh, so what do they do? They don't really have time to take a shot or anything. They can't, you know, they can't take a shot because they, you know, it's, it's third down. Uh, so they hit Eifert in the flat real quick, where he can get out of bounds. Not even trying to get the first down. Get to the flat. Get out of bounds. Uh, gives them fourth and four with eight seconds left and a chance at a field goal that they would miss. All right. So. It stinks here because there are some things open in the middle of the field. Uh, First and probably most obvious is Auden Tate uh, running across the middle of the field. That's probably first down depth, uh, which if you have a timeout, I mean, it was going to be eight seconds about. Like, you got a shot. You can take a shot uh, anyway. So you got one more play to take a shot. Uh, And then outside of of Tate, uh, you know, they're in a two-by-two formation Uh, You know, Eifert uh, was to the right uh, in the tight two by two formation and uh, Tate and Boyd to the left. Boyd was outside uh, and he ran a deeper dig route and he was really open on that. Uh, The linebacker, you know, eventually reacts to Tate coming across uh, and, you know, Eifert would have been open for a pass at about the 22 yard line. Again, no timeouts. Nothing, nothing you can really uh, do about that. Uh, so not really a bad read here because you know Finley's doing what he has to do. He can't complete those balls, uh, but they, you know, if they had some more opportunities there, uh, there were there was a potential for for some uh, other things to be open. Um, you know, there were there were uh, some interesting things in this drive. Uh, I think Finley executed relatively well. Um, Obviously, the holding call, uh, the offsides really put them in a bad spot. They lost some time. They lost yards off of those things. Um, obviously, I don't think any of us feel great about Ryan Finley right now. But the way he executed on this drive and some of the things he did, uh, to me it shows he, he definitely has the potential to be a very solid backup. Uh, you know, at, at least that. Uh, so – Moving forward, you know the Bengals find their quarterback of the future. Uh, Finley looks like a guy that you could have behind that guy, uh, who could who could be there, uh, and in a pinch when he has to come in for a drive or he has to come in and win you you know win a game with you or something. If you have some tools around him, uh, I think that he can be successful in the short term. He is not a guy, uh, you know, definitely not seeing anything right now to to think that he's a guy that they could build a team around. Uh, but I think if you have a team, if you have a, a good team and some good players there, uh, you can definitely put some things around him and, you know, come up with some wins, finish off some games, do what you need to do in a pinch um, if if you uh, if you have your quarterback out, uh, if you've lost that quarterback. From Steelers Depot is Nick Farabaugh. Nick, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic today. Thanks for having me on.
3: Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it was just a few weeks ago that the Bengals and the Steelers matched up. But a lot has happened, uh, particularly for the Steelers, uh, in that time span. Uh, so, between uh, injuries and Uh, everything that went on Thursday, uh, last Thursday, what is going on with the Steelers, and what can we expect coming into uh, Cincy this week?
2: Yeah, so you're not going to expect much from the offensive side of the football. They're just depleted. I mean, Jalen Samuels isn't on the injury report, but he does not look 100% back from his meniscus surgery. Uh, James Conner re-injured his shoulder that he injured in the Miami game, and now it is re-injured again. He's expected to miss at least two weeks. Juju Smith-Schuster obviously has the concussion and the knee issue was seen walking around in a brace today. Uh, today is Wednesday, so a lot of beat reporters reporting that, so he has not just a concussion but a knee injury, and we got pretty much the entire offense banged up in some way. Marquise Pouncey obviously suspended. Uh, Nick Vanette shows up with illness. Vance McDonald doesn't practice for for a personal reason, so we, we don't know what's going on there. Obviously, uh, Deontay Johnson obviously took the nasty hit from Demaryius Randall. So, I mean, the, the offensive side of the ball is very depleted. And our wide receiving court this week looks like James Washington, Dion Kane, Johnny Holton, and Tevin Jones. So, I'm not going to inspire confidence in anyone. Uh, on the defensive side of the football Expect the full defense minus Stefan Tuit who is going to miss the rest of the year with a torn pec. Uh, but regardless, this defense has been relentless this year and they are fully healthy. So the defense is going to be at least looking the same as it was back in week four.
3: Yeah. And, that, you know, that, that defense, uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, after a, a tough start for the Steelers. And Big Ben going down, I think most of the national media thought they were crazy to trade away what everybody thought was going to be a high draft pick without Ben uh, to bring in Minka Fitzpatrick. And, man, did one guy uh, really seem to shore up the issues that 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 defense was having. So, um, I mean, is is it all Minka uh, that's really – was he that last missing piece? Or, you know, what else has happened since the early part of the season that's – that's made that defense a force.
2: Yeah, so obviously Keith Butler runs a very similar defense to Dick LeBeau. So you see a lot of palms. You see a lot of cover three stuff. Uh, that That's kind of the base of the serious defense. And uh, kind of what you need if you want to be an aggressive man team, like Mike Tomlin is trying to make this team now more, you need that single high element. And Sean Davis just was not that single high element. Mike Mitchell was not that single high element. The Steelers have not had a ball-hawking free safety since Troy Polamalu, and that is really what has been missing from this defense. And now that Maker patch comes in, he has been that ball-hawk. He has been that opportunistic guy. He has shifted this defense big time, at least in the secondary. But I think there are a few key other things that have happened. One, Bud Dupree has come out of nowhere. I mean, Bud Dupree has been fantastic this season. He's been getting consistent pressure. He looks like he could deserve a very rich contract this offseason. Of course, Devin Bush continuing to improve over the season. He he had some very rough struggles early in the year, was picked on in the Indianapolis game, but he has improved greatly over the season, much better in coverage now. The game is starting to slow down for him. His speed is everywhere on the field. And, of course, you know guys like T.J. Watt, taken another step forward. And Stephen Nelson, actually, is another guy I want to highlight because he has been fantastic this year coming over from Kansas City. Struggled as a Chief, but as a Steeler, he has been nothing short of fantastic. The Steelers' defense kind of has a lot of familiar faces that you guys will recognize. Cam Hayward, Javon Hargrave, they are still themselves. But the Minka Fitzpatrick trade kind of changes the scheme game for Keith Butler and Mike Tallman. And it has been a big reason why this defense has just taken a leap since they got him
3: yeah you mentioned uh, watt i mean I, i've been hearing people talking about watt taking a step forward and everything you know like oh oh watt's doing great this year didn't he have double digit sacks last year like how, how are people sleeping on this guy
2: yeah i, I have no clue uh the the talk of town is more so bud dupree because bud dupree of course coming out of nowhere but tj watt already has i think nine and a half or almost ten and a half sacks uh, it's one of those two numbers. He he had 13 to half last year. He's he's on record. He's on pace to shatter that. So, I mean, he's firmly in the defensive player of the year conversation right now. It, I think he's been the best player on the defense. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick has been great and all. Cam Hayward's been great. All these guys have been great. T.J. Watt has been a force every single game. I, I don't know why they sleep on him. He he's grown so much as a player each year and uh, there's no reason why this guy should be so underrated. It's kinda like there's always those elite players like Chandler Jones is very underrated. I don't I don't know why TJ Watt's being so underrated by the national media right now.
3: Yeah, he's I mean he's he's definitely been uh, been getting it done for a couple of years now. Um now moving over to the offense though, um Mason, uh Mason Rudolph, uh guy who's um you know he's he's hanging in there, uh, but definitely had some some ups and some downs. Um, I honestly I think would have been a pretty highly rated quarterback coming out of college if he hadn't been part of such a big uh, quarterback class. Uh, so what's uh, what's your stance on on Mason? Is is he a guy that's uh, you know kind of managing things for them right now and and you know checking checking his way down the field or? You know, do you think he can be uh, a guy that can they can take this uh this team places
2: yeah no i this guy is kind of he's a deer in the headlights right now and, and granted there have not been great circumstances around him uh, Randy Feetner has not been very good this year as an offensive coordinator. The receivers have dropped far too many balls but but Mason Rudolph just has not been very good missing open reads uh, uh, overthrowing guys sliding into pressure i mean the pocket presence has been awful for him this year he has created far too many sacks he's made the o-line look bad the o-line has been very good and especially against cleveland he was very very skittish in that pocket missing open reads and if you're going to miss open reads and you know not push the ball downfield and when you do push the ball downfield make ill-advised throws at that his decision making also has not been up to par Mason Rudolph has not been very good so far, and this is why some people in the fandom are obviously calling for Devlin Hodges. I'm not in that camp. I think you let Mason Rudolph play out, see if he can improve, but he has not been very good so far, and mainly it's because of what has happened in the pocket. He's just not comfortable, and there's no poise in his game at all.
3: Yeah, Bengals uh, fans know a thing or two about that. That was definitely a big uh, big issue with Ed this year. Um, Not a not we we have we still have issues at the position, but uh, not the issue we're facing anymore with uh, with Ryan Finley behind center. Um, so you touched on the Cleveland game, and you know the Bengals and Steelers have been in a number of games uh, that went similarly over the years. Uh, so now being able to look at this from outside, uh, just interesting to know. Uh, just interested to know what uh you know what Steelers fans think of of what went on that night and kind of where they're pointing the blame and um you know what, what what exactly is the uh the pulse behind that uh that whole incident uh last Thursday
2: yeah so the fan the fans clearly are on the side of Mason Rudolph and Marquise Pouncey all that stuff they want Miles Garrett to stay suspended just like the Browns fans obviously have a hashtag free Miles Garrett the Steelers fans have a hashtag free Marquise Pouncey. So, uh, very, very polarized, as you would expect. Personally, I think that Miles Garrett was completely out of line. I don't obviously agree with how he reacted, but I I don't think Mason Rudolph helped his cause. I really don't. I think he came off far too aggressively. I know people are saying he didn't try to take off his helmet or anything like that. He didn't grab Miles Garrett's groin, like some are saying, but... He definitely was an aggressor in some ways, and was definitely not innocent in this situation. I, I think that while Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi's actions were out of hand, I, I just don't think that you cannot put the blame a little bit on Mason Rudolph for at least instigating this thing to an, to the level it did get instigated to.
3: Yeah, I mean, you get into some interesting areas here, and because. You know what did a player do uh, is is where the penalties and the fines and everything come comes in, and I don't think that there's NFL rules, you know, really resolving about what was the result, uh, you know, and, and connecting those dominoes because uh, like to me, number one, Miles Garrett really is the one who started it because that hit was ridiculously late and he threw him to the ground and it was twisting him around. Um, obviously, Mason. You know, it, not like he was just taking it, like, like he, he was coming at him. Um, but to me, like, if everything stopped right there, it's like, okay, well, that's a roughing the passer and that's put personal foul on the quarterback. Like, really, probably, you know, those are the, the fellas you, you could have called there, uh, offsetting. And I, and I, and I don't think neither one of those things that happened are suspensions or fines or anything. Um, and really from there on Mason he kinda of got up and was like yelling at him, but Mason didn't really do anything. So I like to me I don't like the people that are like, oh, they should Mason should be suspended. Well whatever, man. He's the quarterback and he was like pawing at the guy a little bit. He wasn't you know, he wasn't gonna do anything to him. He's the quarterback. Uh, you know, he's he's not a he's yeah. not a beast like uh, you know, like the O linemen and D linemen that are out there. Yeah. Uh, no.
2: I, I don't agree with the suspension either. I, I think fine is fine.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm definitely with you on that. I mean, honestly, I think in a very on NFL like way, I think everything that the NFL did was pretty reasonable. Um, I wouldn't have given Pouncey that much, but I think it's, it's fair. Like, you know, like I think it was, I think it's a little heavy handed, which, um, and Bengals fans can relate to this with perfect, maybe a bit on, on his reputation. Um, I, I thought he had a great quote. Um, and I forget exactly how it went, but it was basically like, I went red. I don't even remember doing it. Um, you know, I was defending my quarterback and I accept whatever they give me. Like, it, to me, it was like perfect. It was like, okay, I, I totally get every word of that and it's cool. And, and, you know, I don't know. Like, his heart's in the right place, I guess. <laughs> you know, like, 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 I get it. And, and you love having those guys on your team. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, but but yeah, I I thought it was a bit harsh, but within reason. Um, and the you know the Browns guys, you know, I, I, I thought were were pretty much uh, pretty much on par. And um, yeah, really stinks. Seeing something like so there's eight seconds left in the game. Uh, which is the craziest part of it. It's like what man? Like relax, we're we're going home. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have some beers. This thing is over now.
2: You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean they had the win like.
3: Yeah,
2: wrapped up. There was no reason for Miles Garrett to do that. Miles Garrett threw away a potentially defensive player of the year season. I mean, and the Browns now really are hurting now because Miles Garrett's unquestionably the best player on that defense. So, uh, I mean, uh, it was boneheaded from Garrett. I don't blame Pouncey one bit for doing what he did. I don't. I truthfully think that they should – reduce his suspension to two games, just make sure he's out for the next Cleveland game and he should be able to play in Arizona. I think three games was a little much.
3: I'm surprised they don't bring him back for the Cleveland game because um, the NFL seemed to have a way of always making – like like Fontes Burfic would be suspended for four games to start the year and they'd be playing the Steelers in week five. You know, it's, it's like they always – like they want that drama because they want people to watch it. Even even though they you know they they say they're trying to protect the players and everything, it's like they they want that drama.
2: Absolutely, they they really really do, and and that's kind of why I I'm wondering why Pouncey did get three games, but I, I guess that the, the precedent for the amount of games he was suspended was with the kick. So I guess mm. they followed along the same lines of you know sue hype deal
3: yeah you know now with uh with Pouncey out uh as as we said there are eight seconds left we saw one snap after that play uh so where does that uh what does that do to the Steelers offensive line um you know who's who's the next man up at center and, and what kind of drop off are we looking at here
2: yeah so Pouncey's had a really weird year so he's been very very good in run blocking and pass protection, but he's been a terrible snapper. I mean, snaps have been going everywhere this season with him. But B.J. Finney is up next. So, B.J. Finney, undrafted free agent, I think three years ago, out of Kansas State. He's grown into a really, really solid depth player. He's played at guard when Ramon Foster missed two games with a concussion. So, he he's a good plug on this offensive line. Uh, he sh- we shouldn't see too much of a drop-off. They will obviously miss pouncey's leadership and pouncey's aggressiveness up front but but they have a very very solid backup offensive lineman here in bj finney who could probably start for a number of teams so i don't think we see much of a drop off you just hope the communication doesn't fall off but among a veteran group of guys with ramon foster alejandro Villanueva, and david DeCastro on it i don't think we see all that much of a drop off because finney is just so adept at playing center and
0: guard
3: yeah and uh you know, the, the, that'll be interesting. I think uh, really, especially with uh, Carl Lawson uh, coming back and, and getting into the mix and, and you know really having a, a good game and some fairly limited reps last week, um, that is going to be a strength-on-strength strength situation um, with uh, uh, between uh, Lawson, Atkins, uh, Dunlap, uh, you know Sam Hubbard, has, who's done some good things for the Bengals this year. Uh, so it'll definitely be interesting to see that matchup in the in the trenches, uh, particularly I think in the in the in the passing game, um, and kind of see where where that Bengals unit is at. So, uh, you know, hoping for hoping for a bit of a drop off there so we could uh, uh, get a little bit of penetration because they have definitely the Bengals have definitely struggled quite a bit uh, with the run uh, this season defensively, but. You know, one, one more thing uh, before we go. So the Steelers, uh, you know, are, are still really competing for that last playoff spot. Um, you know, it looks like the, the Ravens are going to be in good position in the division, but Steelers with a shot at a wild card. Um, you know, we've already discussed some of the, like the limitation they have with, with Mason and, and how injuries are, are getting them a little banged up. Uh, do, do you think that playoffs are still in the picture? And, and if so, do you think they, they have a chance of uh, doing anything in there?
2: Uh, so playoffs are in the picture only because they have a very soft schedule from here on out. It's Bengals, Cleveland, Arizona. I think they play Buffalo, the Jets, and then the Ravens. So, I mean, 9-7 is realistic. 10-6, maybe if they can pull up an upset against Buffalo. Uh, still, I don't think they do anything in the playoffs, even if they make it uh the defense is fantastic but th- i don't think they can compete up with the level of new england or uh, i don't even know if they'd beat kansas city at this point because pat mahomes i think carves up this defense enough and the chiefs defense has been improving over time so I-, I don't see them doing much this season uh even if they make it to the playoffs it'd be nice to make it to the playoffs just to show you know how good of a coach mike Tomlin is and how talented this team is, and maybe when they get Ben back next year, they're, you know, truly AFC contenders. But, yeah, this season I wouldn't expect too much out of the Steelers team. At best, they're probably a wild card exit.
3: That is all the, que- that are all the questions I have for you right now, but uh, is there anywhere uh, that you'd like to talk about where people can check you out and follow your work?
2: Yes, you can check me out on Twitter at F B. so Faribaut, F A R A B A U G H F B on Twitter and then uh, check out my Steelers Depot stuff if you ever wanna you know you Bengals fans wanna ever get educated on some Steelers stuff the week before. We have a we have a great crew over there. Uh, Alex Kazora, Josh Carney, Daniel Valentine, Matthew Marcy, and me. We we pump out great Steelers stuff over there. So if you guys ever need to know anything about the Steelers, head over there. I swear we don't bite so <laughs>
3: You know, and in, in, uh, you've got some great draft takes too. And um, you know, I think that's a thing that, um, you know, the you, you hate uh, you hate following your rivals. Uh, you know, and uh, media people on, on Twitter. Sometimes you're like, oh man, I gotta hear about the Steelers. Uh, but definitely some great some great draft takes and some uh, interesting uh, views on prospects. And um, you know, with a still winless record. Um, many of our minds have, have turned to the draft already. Uh, so definitely Nick is a, is a great person to follow as we get into draft season. So, All right. So that is going to be it for this week's podcast. Uh, we have got the Steelers this weekend. So big game uh and the Bengals are in position for those of you who are much more concerned about draft position than anything else right now the Bengals are are in position you know they can win a game uh and you know it's gonna come down to things a little bit with the Redskins but they can win a game uh and if they're gonna win one game this year it'd be good for it to be the Steelers uh and that'd be very good for Zach Taylor uh because I'm sure he's going to have to answer a lot of questions uh, about this year, anyway. If it ends up being an 0-16 question, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be tough for him. Uh, but if he can go off and beat the Steelers, you know, beat that mental hump that I think the Bengals have, uh, a, that barrier that prevents them from playing well against the Steelers uh, often, and, and get that that win, um, that's that's something. Uh, And and even though the the Steelers are depleted, it's still something because I think there's a real mental barrier to that uh, within this franchise. Uh, So that would it would be a big time win and it would be very helpful uh, to Zach Taylor, to his future prospects uh, in Cincinnati if they can pull that off. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, hoping, hoping for a good game where that's where we're hoping every week. Uh, but, you know, they were competitive against the Raiders, a much better Raiders team than what this Steelers team is, is looking like um, with all their injuries. Uh, but uh, we'll have to see, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on with them, but uh, interesting to see there, And hopefully we're coming out next week, talking about the first win. We've got some very positive things to talk about. So, Thanks again for joining me back here every Thursday, and go we're Bangles! Yeah, we
1: coming forward
2: with ours. Yeah, we're coming forward with ours. Yeah, we're coming forward with ours. You hit a crowd we're coming forward with
0: ours.